0: So you do understand the premise of Chekhov's gun. If you see a gun on a table or a character puts a gun on a table in a scene, you can expect that gun to go off, right?
1: The gun will be used. The gun
0: will get used at some point. I was watching, I think it was John Wick 3. Mm -hmm. And there's a part where they go, he and a buddy are in they're killing bad guys in a place and it, this place also, I think is like forging metal of some kind, but they have these big pots of like superheated metal and they're fighting in a room with like 10 or 12 of these pots sitting mm-hmm. around this room. And like the whole scene, you're like, someone's going to go in the pot. Like, it, mm-hmm. cause this is a movie about killing people. You know, we, like we do, we kill people every way in John wick. And then no one does and nobody it just, goes into the no boundaries. one goes into the pots no one goes into the lava and then the scene ends and like i can I, that rocks me to this day how come no one went in the pot anyway your question was what about taxes
1: what <laughs> yeah
0: you, know, you know the meme like we meant questions about the job <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back to Folded Sheets and Story Beats. To start, we want to thank the folks who have emailed us. It's been a minute since our last recording and we got some messages from you guys and we were super happy about them. We love the feedback on the episodes. We love hearing what things are working for you and what things are not working for you. Thanks to Kyle for his consistent love on our episodes and informing us of what things are definitely not lovable.
1: Yeah, good criticism, thank you. We also got An email from Cassidy with a really good question that got us thinking.
0: Yeah. Cassidy's email says, I was wondering if you had any advice for writing a book. Yes, writing a whole novel. I know you could probably spend a whole podcast episode on this, which would be fabulous. But alas, I wouldn't want you to take up too much of your time. But what are the basics of writing a novel? What is your planning process like? How much time do you like to spend planning before you actually start writing? And how much do you recommend writing a day, etc.? cetera? Baller question.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate your concern for our use of time. And uh, fun fact, we're kind of going to take a whole episode and we're going to talk about this.
0: Yeah, this week we're talking about plot, but to do a short version of your answer and then we'll do the long version of the episode. Short version, there are all kinds of ways to be a writer, right? Some people write a million words a day, some people write five or six. I think Neil Gaiman wrote Coraline at like 45 to 50 words a day. Whereas Brandon Sanderson often writes, not often, periodically will write more than 15,000 words in a day. So the the how much do I write a day thing, that's really up to you, what your stamina is, how much you're enjoying it. I think Stephen King says 3,000 a day And I have tried to stick to that. I don't always.
1: That's very difficult.
0: It's a tough, 3,000 a day is tough. Actually, funny side comment about that. For years, I just misread it. Uh, He says that in his book on writing and I I just misread it and I thought he said 5,000 a day. (laughs) So I was pushing (laughs) for months to try to hit 5,000 a day and it was so hard, but I was doing it. And I finished the it's book insane. and then like some like a year or so later, I was talking to my beloved sister about it and she was like, No, he says three thousand. What are you talking about? Three thousand, not five five thousand is insane. And I was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> and I went and found the book and sure enough, I had just misread it. Numbers are hard, man. Yeah. But Math is hard. that said, we can thank we can thank that misunderstanding for to giving us Wraith, which is one of my books that will one day come out. Probably your best, probably the, my best work of writing to date. So,
1: yeah. Sanderson, on the other hand, recommends two thousand a week, which is what I try and strive for. Because guess what? Two thousand words a week—that's just over a hundred thousand words in a year. That's a that's a good sized novel. Mm-hmm. That's nothing to sneeze at.
0: Yeah, you do. You do. I think when he said when he recommended two thousand a week, it was I think it was in response to a. You know, I have a lot of things going on in my life, and I can't do three thousand a day, like Stephen King says. And And I want
1: to learn how to write.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Sanderson kind of responded to that with a, "Hey, you know, if you write two thousand a week, you're pumping out two hundred k a year. That's that's great. That's not math. Yeah,
1: hundred thousand a year, not two hundred.
0: Thank you, Devin. This is a writing podcast, not a math podcast.
1: Sorry, my bad. I don't do math in public.
0: No, no, I'm not. I'm not telling you to be sorry. I'm saying. Anyone who listens to this and expects us to perform correct math in this podcast, you're in the wrong place.
1: Yeah. We'll bring on our mathematician friend later.
0: But in response to Cassidy.
1: To answer your other questions. So, and and again, everything will depend. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own process. But like personally, my planning process, I outline pretty heavily. I then try and like down to more or less, okay, here's, here's a list of the scenes that I have planned. Now I'm going to go write the, the scene. So, like, I outline pretty hard. I believe you outline as well.
0: I have tried all kinds of different approaches to starting. my. The one thing that's constant is the daydreaming phase for me where mm-hmm. I will, you know, when I'm walking to class or when I'm driving to work, I am listening to music and I'm thinking about a story concept. And it can be something small, like things that characters are saying to each other, or it can be something big, like a grand conflict.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or uh, oftentimes it comes down to interesting things that characters do. I right. often like daydreaming about cool things that my characters can do. In, in one of my upcoming books, one of the main characters fights the devil. And I daydream mm-hmm. about that fight so much. It's, it's a fun one to just one. think about because it's, it's huge and it's, it's got a lot of implications. And so mm-hmm. the daydreaming phase to me is really important because it helps me think up things that will be interesting to read, but also interesting and fun for me to write. I, uh, right. the, the, the Getting enjoyment out of the writing is pretty key to me. Yeah, same. And so I like to the, – the daydreaming phase is massive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: then eventually I'll sit down and start writing. Mm -hmm. And inevitably I won't follow my own plans or daydreams, but something neat will come out anyway. Yeah.
1: As far as time spent on planning before writing, I have to limit myself. I will depend, like if I'm trying to write some, you know, say 50,000 words, then I will set aside like, or, okay, here's, here's my most recent example. I'm trying to write this little short story. Like I'm limiting myself to, no more than 10,000 words for this little short story that I've and just kicking around in the back of my head that I really need to get out. And so I'm trying really hard to limit myself to like, okay, somewhere between five and 10,000 words, short story. I am giving myself a week, a week to daydream and to think and to plot and to outline. And by the end of the week, I need to start writing because I tend to... Run, I easily fall into the trap of just endlessly planning and yeah.
0: never actually writing. There is a phenomenon in the community of writers called world builders disease, where you just build the world and build and build and build, and you come up with languages that the people in your world speak, and you come up with all the races and Economies, the flora and the fauna and the the economy, routes. the politics, the religion, and you build all this, and 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 then. You never get around to writing a story. You've just built a world, which is very cool. Yeah. But there's no story, and yeah. that's and so you've just built a world.
1: Mm-hmm. So world building disease. Be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Watch out for it in yourself.
0: I don't. I don't find myself very susceptible to world builder's disease. I don't. I don't because I don't set aside a certain amount of time for me to plan. I mm-hmm. I daydream until I reach a breaking point when my my brain is so excited about the concepts that. Uh, it, the story begins to take precedence over other things, and and then it's then I know it's time to sit down and and get to work. And on those days, I can pump out a, a big, you know, five to seven thousand words a day, because mm-hmm. it's it's just I got it. I I've, I've got something huge. I'm excited about it, and I'm talking to people about it. I'll you know call Devin. I'll call uh, other folks in our writing group and and blast them with ideas. And mm-hmm. they will be like confused and excited with for me, and, and then the story <laughs> will begin to take place.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, so those are those are, the, uh, those are great questions. Again, ultimately, just try it. It's different for everyone, but with that in mind, we've got some more maybe specific kind of sources to point you in mm-hmm. the direction of.
0: Actually, I've got a side tangent again. Excellent. My first book, was called Steel. It was about it was essentially a self-insert story that turned into not a self-insert. Okay. It was about a kid in high school cuz I was writing in high school and I was in high school. Mm-hmm. It was about a kid who got superpowers and my opening pages, I had no idea how I was going to get to where I was going. I just started writing and it's like not good. I've got I kept it. I've gone back and read it and it's not good. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but mm-hmm. I really look fondly back on the time where I sit, sat down and wrote these stupid first few pages. Yeah, because it was the time where I feel like I was the most brave because I was I'd never written before. Yeah, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I said, "You know what? To hell with it! I'm going to just send it. I'm going to just yeah. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start typing out some words." And I did, and and I think six months ish later, I had a ninety thousand word story done. Wow. That's pretty good. Which was pretty, yeah. All right. That's I felt, not bad. That was, that's, a, that's a good feeling. And then and then from there, it's been a mess. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest, biggest piece of advice we can give is just sit down and get going.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. I think, too, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned, like, not knowing what you're doing. That can kind of be a blessing to start out with just <clears> because – I feel like a lot of people have these preconceived notions and like, oh, there's these rules and like formulas and things that I need to do and things that I need to avoid and don't use adverbs and don't, you know, don't just like, if you don't know any of that, you can just kind of go for it. And it's like, yeah, you know, your stuff might not be professional level writing, but Mm -hmm. you wrote something. Yeah. That's something not many people can say.
0: It can be, I think it can be paralyzing to sit down and and realize, oh, I don't know what tense, I don't know verb tense I'm supposed to be in, or I don't Mm -hmm. know whose perspective I'm in. I don't know how to end a scene. I don't know how to start a scene. And the truth of it is, do whatever you want.
1: There aren't Mm -hmm. rules.
0: People try to throw rules at you and that's fine. I think later when you have some more experience under your belt, you can look at rules and decide for yourself which ones to follow and which ones to not. But out the gate, ignore every rule. Do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. I, I will say like, there's definitely pros to, you know, learning and, you know, understanding the rules, but absolutely like do what you want. So long as you're, when you, when you do learn and understand the rules of, you know, writing a book or whatever, do what you want, but be intentional about it. If you want to, if you want to do something wacky with your, with your, your your points of view or your your tenses or whatever so long as you understand what you're attempting and what you're doing and that you're being abnormal or you know you're breaking the rules if you're doing it intentionally okay Mm -hmm. you know now whether or not that works is you know debatable but go for it
0: other great resources for writing are stuff you know a lot of people have written books about how to write which is ironic and funny to me. But Stephen King wrote one of the finest writing books ever called *On Writing*. It's a, it's him basically talking about how he figured things out, um, how he filled his writer's toolbox with things, how he got published, how he, uh, you know, met people in his life who helped him learn things. And it's a, it's a very good book. Even if you're not a writer, honestly, it's fun to read. It's interesting. He says some genius. Things He tells some fun stories that are interesting, and, yeah, you'll like it. Another book that was – oh, and my copy, I I need to credit my dear sister, Jordan. She's the one who's given me – she gave me my first copy of On Writing. She also gave me a book called Self-Editing for Fiction Writers by Rennie Brown and Dave King. That's a good book. They have just Hmm. chapters of good content about setting and about how to – write sentences well and how to, you know, get rid of silly errors in, in your, in your prose and in your style. And that's really good. I have a book called light, the dark, which is actually the editor, Joe Fassler, sent a big message out to a bunch of authors Mm -hmm. and he asked them what their favorite passages in storytelling or poetry were, or, or their favorite single lines. Hmm. And then they all responded and wrote about a, a few pages of essay And all of those essays are in this book called Light the Dark. So that one's a good one.
1: Yeah, I would recommend, it's not a book, but Sanderson has his lecture series that he puts up on on his YouTube channel, which is, I mean, that's the class that we took where we met and how we learned what we know, kind of. (laughs) That's our basis.
0: If you go and watch those, you will discover that most of the things we say and sound intelligent saying are just things that we've copied from him and there you go well, verbatim you'll, a you'll lot know of times. you'll know our whole scheme
1: yeah you won't need us anymore you know on second thought don't go watch his series he doesn't
0: actually put those up we changed our mind no nope, those he stopped doing that a couple of years ago he took it all down um <laughs> no yeah stephen king talks about toolboxes Mm-hmm. That all artists have toolboxes and that these toolboxes are full of your concepts and strategies that are necessary to create your art. And we're talking about writing and storytelling. And so here are some of the tools that we use to get our get our stories going. There is you, you want to understand the process of uh, discovery writing versus outline writing. And that is uh, that describes, your methodology to crafting your story as a whole mm-hmm. a discovery writer will start with a blank page and not a lot of knowledge on the characters or the setting or the events but will pl- hit them as they come and the story will mm-hmm. happen and at the other end of the spectrum there are the outline writers who plot out every detail and then and then sit down to write the words
1: yeah i i It's important that you you mentioned that it's a continuum. It's you're not you don't have to be a discovery writer or an outliner. Like you can be. I if it's a sliding scale, I definitely lean heavily towards the outlining, but not fully. I'm I would probably put myself at you know seventy five eighty five percent towards the the outlining side, but. I wrote the the one book that I've finished so far was largely discovery written and that was weird but also a really good time and I went in with a rough outline really really rough as far as my standards go maybe a page of just bullet points of like oh yeah here's some things that I want to try and hit and discuss and I want my characters to do x y and z but as i'm writing trying to get my characters to get to point you know from point x to point y i'm like "Uh, you know what that point m we're gonna go there now you know and so like that that's kind of discovery writing it's like you know you kind of discovery writers that i've talked to and know they kind of i'm a little bit jealous because they talk about how their characters decide and do things that surprise them it's like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me my characters do exactly what I tell them because that's how I write them and they mm-hmm. do what I say. But like I, in writing Windrider, my book, yeah, there were some times where I was like, Oh, okay. This character decided to do this. And so I guess we're going to go figure out what that entails. And so like, yeah, that's one way to kind of think about it. it's like discovery writers tend to have really great characters and uh, they sometimes struggle with endings. Because they don't really know where they're going from the beginning, whereas outliners will have really solid endings typically, but their characters tend to feel a little bit flatter, because they're uh, not quite as alive. I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, and that's and the
1: very broad generalizations, obviously.
0: Yeah, the, your character choosing your character should be another tool in your toolbox. Knowing who you're going to write about is, I think, key to sitting down and getting started. I read online, which I, I think it was a tweet, which means basically that there's no actual, like, accreditation to this. Like, <laughs> But mm-hmm. like, just because some tw- someone tweets a thing doesn't mean it's good. But I thought that I, this resonated with me. Uh, they said, don't write a single word about your character until you want to write 100,000 words about them.
1: Mm.
0: And that doesn't mean don't write, obviously. It, it just means that... Y- y- the person you're writing about should be intriguing to you. They should be fascinating to you. They should fill your head and they should have a story that you want to tell deeply and, and, mm-hmm. and powerfully.
1: You, you were telling, you literally told me that mm-hmm. earlier this week when I was telling you about this little story that I've got bouncing around in the back mm-hmm. of my head and just this itch that I need to scratch. And I was like, yeah, but like, you know, like I said, five, maybe 10,000 words. And you're like, no, no, no. 100,000 words, <laughs> and then you're ready. I was like, wait, no, you're missing the point. I don't want to, and yeah, part- partially that was a miscommunication between the two of us, but also the sentiment very much stands. You, you don't need to write the 100,000 words, but you should be able to and want to, regardless of how much you're trying to write.
0: Another fantastic tool in your toolbox is however you get feedback from your on your story. Devin and I are in a writing group. And writing groups are fantastic. It's for us, it's a group of eight folks. We're all writers. We meet on Wednesday nights and we submit, four of us submit 3,000 words of our story each. We read it, we leave comments on it in Google Docs, and we sit down for two hours on Wednesday night and we say, Hi, your story is good. Your story is not working. Your story is working. Your characters are fantastic. Your characters are boring. X, Y, Z.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of cheerleading that goes on, which is very helpful.
0: Yeah. Uh, your, your writing group can be what you need them to be. Mm-hmm. For us, we we are folks who get, you know, we're real people. And sometimes we just need someone to tell us that our work is good so that we're willing to sit down and keep writing. But mm-hmm. other times we say, hey, I am, I've I'm done with this book and I need you to tell me what's not working so that I can get to work on the next draft. And that is another yeah. thing that the writing group is good at.
1: Yep. I, one thing, kind of advice for if anyone is like listening and they're like, Hey, I want to start a writing group or I want to join one. Here's some advice, especially when you're starting out. So two things to think about giving feedback and getting feedback. If you are giving feedback, your goal is to make the person, whoever's story you're reading, your job is to make that story a better version of the story the writer wants, not what you want it to be. It's not your job to say, oh, why don't you do this? Or this would be good. You should be describing your experience. Key phrases like this scene made me feel like this, or this part made me think this. Describe your experience. Do not tell the author what they should or should not be doing. You don't want to get prescriptive that you should this or to fix this Mm -hmm. try things like that like
0: and when and when you have given your book to someone and they are giving you feedback like this that's okay just ignore it yeah this is your story uh i i i I actually i'm very blessed the first people i ever shared my books with Mm -hmm. were only cheerleaders they were fantastic and and because i didn't need it was my first book i was i was not getting ready to publish or anything, I wasn't even planning on coming back to this story. Mm-hmm. I just wanted people I just needed people to tell me that it was good so that I would keep going. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell them that. They just told me it was good, and they told me what they liked. and maybe they were like too shy to tell me what was not working or what was cringe. But it mm-hmm. thank goodness for me that the people who first read my work were like, "Hey, I loved how it ended. I loved the story. I liked your character, and uh, you should keep writing because I yeah. don't know how I would have handled my very first work as a little baby writer being Mm -hmm. just shredded by somebody
1: yeah and like especially if you're just starting out you're not a professional you're not an editor professionally and you don't need to know what you're saying you don't know what you're doing so how can you give good advice prescriptively Mm -hmm. you can absolutely tell someone how their work made you feel or think or things like that but don't don't get prescriptive definitely though like yeah be a good cheerleader also mention things that you like because uh, otherwise those risk getting cut <laughs> in mm-hmm. edits so like point out things that you do enjoy
0: yeah and then, I, this was interesting you you bring that up in writing group I won't say their name but if they listen to this they're gonna be like oh shoot, he's talking about me uh, in writing group so I brought a third draft to our group uh-huh. of a story this uh, very recently yes and I brought it to the group and in the first draft the first there I changed who the main character was. Uh, from the first draft to the third draft. Mm-hmm. And someone said, Oh, I'm I'm that's disappointing to me that you changed away from that character. And They said, I really liked that character. I really liked that character. And in my head I was like, you never said that. You didn't you never told <laughs> me that you loved this character. I, I never got the idea that people loved that they liked the concept of her. But Mm -hmm. I didn't, and maybe it was, it probably was that I had issues writing that character because there were several things about that character that I didn't personally relate to. And so it was hard to carry out. Mm -hmm. But I just like, I was like, uh, if I had been told that the character meant was, 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 was working and that they were enjoyable and fun to read and very interesting and exciting, I, I, they would have had a better chance of sticking, but they didn't. So here we are. That said, the new characters are better, so True. NBD.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then, just on the other hand, you talked about it a little bit too. But if you're in the position of receiving feedback, just be quiet, mm-hmm. pretend you're not there. Just, just watch, take notes, listen, and um, don't, absolutely don't take it all. Sanderson, when he talks about this, he mentions that he takes about a third of the feedback he is given, and that's feedback he's getting from professionals and he still only takes about a third of it. If you're sitting down for your first time, don't, don't take anything that's said too seriously. Mm-hmm. Except but for the good then, stuff. Yeah, good stuff is good stuff. But <laughs> if they any say kind it's of, good,
0: you can listen to 100% of that. <laughs>
1: absolutely, but criticisms, eh, take it all with a fat grain of salt. And then uh, just keep your questions to the end, seek clarification, don't spoil things that, that are like coming up for you know in subsequent chapters, mm-hmm. and don't justify don't justify what you've done or why you've done things just yeah. just keep that all to yourself mm-hmm. even even if it is like oh but you have this problem with this thing I'm doing but this is why I'm doing it and it's going to make sense as soon as you read the next chapter like it's mm-hmm. such a big temptation but just just don't mm-hmm. just write the next chapter write and it and give it to him it.
0: and then you'll look like the genius you are exactly so and that said y- you know if someone tells you hey this thing in your story isn't working it's a, and if you realize that that's true that's okay good you now you've learned something that hey you know what trying to take this approach from this perspective or this angle it doesn't work mm-hmm. it's something i know that's a new tool for you put it in your toolbox you, you'll yeah. just know not to do that again
1: i would recommend especially if you're sitting down to try and write your first novel avoid the temptation to edit things while you go mm. just keep writing Mm -hmm. Even, even if you feel like you're vomiting words on the page, keep doing that Mm -hmm. and just keep moving. That's what second and third drafts are for to fix things. Make a note of what things need to be fixed. Like I have so many pages of notes of getting feedback and you know, I've got highlighted and bolded and stuff, all the things that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a problem. I'm going to need to fix that later, but just finish what you're doing first Mm -hmm. before you try and go back and fix things.
0: I have to get myself. I, my rule is I'm allowed to edit one chapter back. The moment I have finished a chapter, that's the only chapter I'm allowed to edit. And and then once I start writing the next chapter, I'm not allowed to edit anything.
1: That's a good rule. I like that. Personal rule, though. Every, yeah, pers- that's everything. me. Keep in mind, everything we're saying here, it's going to be different for everyone. These mm-hmm. are tools that you can try and use. And if they don't
0: work, don't use them. Try something else. A lot of people, a lot of new writers are concerned... Man, my idea just doesn't feel original. I feel like other people have done this before. Guess what, guess homie? what? You're right, and that's okay.
1: There is no such thing as an original idea. Hasn't been for a long time. But uh, guess what? You know, you know, if you think, you know, every every story has been told before, sure.
0: But I have not told that story before, so I'm going to do it get it don't worry about it get going just just exactly. do it it's a okay. i mean and yeah, never mind i don't have any i don't have any examples of that um and then one of the last tools that we want to transition into the full content of our episode now that we're half an hour at in holy crap is to understand the beat sheet the plot beat sheet but before we get into that more important than your first book more important than getting writing more important than any of that is keeping your clothes clean. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm kind of no, never mind. I'm not embarrassed of this. This is a learning opportunity for everyone. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I put my work uniform in the wash, and I was very careful to remove certain items from that. Namely, I've got these like wet erase markers that I that I mm-hmm. keep in my pockets, and then mm-hmm. I've got like some other things. It's like, okay, cool. My pockets are empty. I'm ready to go. And uh, went, put them through the wash, and I got them back. And I noticed that mm, I had a big old ink stain on my sleeve Ah. because there's little pockets there where I keep a pencil and an ink pen.
0: That's a rookie move,
1: Laundry King. Extremely rookie move. And not only had it stained my sleeve, but it also stained my pant leg pretty good, too. Jeez. Now fortunately not an issue because uh guess what my uniform is camouflage so you can't really tell that there was ink stain on it so i did definitely wear it to work for a full week with an ink stain on it nobody said anything nobody noticed that one is benefit amazing. of wearing camo to work <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Devin, if i if i don't i mean i don't wear camouflage to work mm-hmm. that's not my, my uniform you. how would i a plebeian Weak laundry person. How would I get the ink out of my clothes? I'm so glad you asked.
1: So here's what I did. You need rubbing alcohol. So if it's a smaller stain, go ahead and put like a paper towel down underneath your your garment under the stain. And you're gonna put some alcohol on there like maybe with an eyedropper or something. Don't need a lot, but then uh, you leave that there to soak if it's larger you can put some rubbing alcohol in like a dish or on a plate or maybe in a sink and then put the rubbing alcohol you know more on a larger stained area but you're gonna let that sit probably close to you know maybe 15 minutes and then you can uh especially if it's a little bit larger or if it's already set like mine went through the the dryer before i noticed and so it was very well set in the cloth but you might need to scrub if that's the case. If it's, certainly if it's fresh, you're just gonna let that set for a little bit and then you're gonna dab it off, dab the excess away, and then run that through the normal wash. If it's still stained like mine was, it definitely took us like three or four tries through the wash to finally get it to go away, but rubbing alcohol. That is how you remove ink stains from
0: clothing. Rinse and repeat, baby. Rinse and repeat. That's been our laundry tip for this week. Get the ink out of your clothes. The ink from your writer's pen. There we go. Out of your clothes. Nice tie-in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the pen might be mightier than the sword, but it is not mightier than rubbing alcohol in a washing machine.
0: <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like at the end of every laundry tip, we should be able to say, that's so stupid. <laughs> that's that's the whole point of the laundry tip. That is so ideal. <laughs> I still, I'm still not over the... You know the best way to keep your clothes clean is to not get them dirty in the first place. Time travel, baby. (laughs) so stupid. What are you talking about?
1: That's the greatest one we've had. Okay.
0: All right. Let's talk about this beat sheet, baby. Let's do it. Now, for those of you who are not aware, the beat sheet is a outline, sort of, of how most fiction stories tend to go. The... You've probably heard of The Hero's Journey, which is another archetype of storytelling. That said, The Hero's Journey often also still follows the beat sheet. Once you know this pretty through and through, you'll notice it in movies and in books and in TV show episodes. You'll just start to see, oh, this must be this aspect of the beat sheet. Mm-hmm. And it'll ruin your experience of movies for a while because you'll be like, oh, the bad guys must be about to show up.
1: Yeah, you'll kind of start deconstructing things and it. May or may not affect your enjoyment of stories for a while, but then after a while,
0: it comes you back. Just,
1: yeah, you, your enjoyment comes back, and you can probably still you can still identify what's about to happen, and you can call the twists and
0: things. But you can still enjoy stories after a while. So the beat sheet—it's a seven-part outline. Part one for most stories. I'm um, actually, you know, what we're just gonna act like this goes for every story, and you'll probably find. Ones that it doesn't work for. Guess what? Whatever. We don't care. That's fine. So every story starts with the first thing, the setup. It's the thing that shows us everything in the story that's going to need to change before the end. The setup consists of your opening image, and it consists of a stated theme. Our example is going to be – we're going to be talking about Star Wars a lot today because Star Wars, A New Hope, is so good. It's the perfect film to – kind of pull a story apart with because it just it hits all of these beats very crisp very clear so star wars opens a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and that's where you are love it trumpets the the stated theme you can think about luke standing on the desert planet of tatooine looking out into the twin sunset that's a it's very clear we're in sci-fi world Mm-hmm. and this is our character that's our intro to to star wars is mm-hmm. that opening image
1: yeah so another thing too like with this setup you're establishing the status quo whatever is the norm for your characters right that's what you're you're saying is like okay you know we've got he's a moisture farmer because mm-hmm. right? it's a desert planet this is cuz the a story is all about you know changes to the status quo and trying to return to but then you know establishing a new so like you got to
0: establish the status quo in the beginning you know this is this is off of our not following our outline but i watched um amazon's uh there's a new series on amazon right now called reacher and it's based off Mm -hmm. the jack reacher books by lee child and i like the jack reacher books i think they're fun easy thrillers to read but the show is, does a fantastic job of doing a setup. You've got this six-foot-five guy mm-hmm. sitting in a in a bar – not a bar, in a diner, and he orders some pie. And as he's about to take his first bite, three cops come screaming up to the diner. And they come in and they arrest him before he can get his first bite of pie. And oh. uh, that's, the, that's the setup. Oh, I guess also in the setup, before that happens, they kind of do like the intro credits where someone gets murdered. Oh, and then they like and, you do, and then the cops arrest Jack Reacher for this murder, even though the viewer knows he could not have done it. And that's that's a very cool, interesting setup. You, you, mm-hmm. I, I, you know a little bit about Jack Reacher. He's huge. He's muscly. He w- just wanted to have some pie, and also a murder has taken place. So we can understand there's a mystery going on here, mm-hmm. just by watching those first few minutes. You know, you know the the setting. You know. Largely, what the plot is going to be you know an uncovering sort of mystery story and and you it sets your expectations for the rest of the story
1: cool cool yeah so setup's important next you're going to move on to the inciting incident this is the part where your reader or your viewer knows that the story is started there is a change to the status quo this is a Catalyst. This is how things get kicked off. This is where, mm-hmm. yeah, usually this is where things start.
0: Yeah, part two involves the catalyst, the debate, and the decision. the The catalyst being the thing that kind of sets things in motion. The debate where the character has to kind of decide what he's going to do about it, and the decision where he makes the decision and it's final. Uh, so in Star Wars. The inciting event is uh, for Luke is that his Uncle Owen gets R2-D2 into C-3PO. And and R2 shows Luke the partial message from Leia saying, mm-hmm. help me, Obi- Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only help. And the debate then becomes, you know, as as Luke sort of goes into the story, he wants to, you know, go, needs to go to the Academy. Uncle Owen says, no, you need to stay and help me for another season um mm-hmm. and eventually she's
1: not going to farm itself
0: exactly it, eventually obi-wan is introduced and uncle owen and his uncle luke's aunt and uncle are killed and the it, you know that all
1: well, no that's way. i'm getting ahead of myself
0: i'm getting yeah. ahead of myself so um, there's
1: there's this debate of you know okay but i want to go to the academy i'm a good star fighter and pilot and like nope you need to stay here there's a there's a discussion involved obi-wan is telling him like yep you need to you need to learn about the force if you're Mm going to go help this princess leia Mm -hmm.
0: and i think i think the decision there is that luke follows r2 all the way out to obi-wan and meets him and he takes the lightsaber and then they go back and he sees that the decision to follow R2 and mm-hmm. to pursue this interesting message has led to that the fact that he was not home when the stormtroopers came to collect mm-hmm. R2-D2 and C-3PO. And that leads into part three of the beat sheet, which is the first act break.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So we get to see the consequences of this decision. So in, in our example with A New Hope... Luke has decided that he is going to follow the little robot, and as a result, he doesn't die with his aunt and uncle.
0: Mm-hmm. And at, at this point, he's past the point of no return. He mm-hmm. he can't he can't stay the way he was anymore. He can't stay frustrated about being stuck on the farm. It, it's a physical impossibility for him. Things cannot stay the same. Yeah,
1: and status quo is so beyond shattered and Mm -hmm.
0: irreparably damaged. Then we move into the mushy middle and that quote unquote mushy middle. That's a, that's a Brandon Sanderson thing. Oftentimes this kind of gets meshed in with the first act break, but in the mushy middle, it, it, we get to know a little bit about our B plot. The A plot of our story is Luke kind of on the road to being a Jedi. The B Mm -hmm. plot is that princess Leia has been captured and her, and the rebels are threatened by yep. the by the Death Star and by the the Empire. Empire. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. So in in the mushy middle, we get that sort of that clear distinction between the A plot and the B plot. We we see get to know a little bit more about Leia, and we also get what's called the fun and games, where the the cool kind of the rule of cool comes out in the story mm-hmm. uh, for for. Star Wars A New Hope, it's lar- a big part of the fun and games in this is that Obi Wan uses the Force to trick some stormtroopers that C3PO and R2D2 are not the droids you're looking for. Exactly. And they go into the cantina and they hear that crazy saxophone clarinet. Lego Star Wars cemented that music into my head so. Dude, hard. I love Lego Star Wars. The Lego Wars. games were so good. Um, yeah.
1: Fun and games, Han Solo, Chewbacca.
0: Yeah, that's when we meet him to meet this them. Fun and games. Han shot first, or second? Absolutely. Actually, don't I don't. Care. I don't know or care. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, know that that's like a debate and stuff. I don't actually know
0: who. <laughs> yeah. Like, he shot. Greedo was scummy. All right, he needed to die anyway. We don't care. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. So yeah, we meet with Han Solo and Chewbacca, and then Ben and Luke make a deal with them to get passage to Alderaan. Mm -hmm. And then we hit our midpoint, which is the fifth aspect of the plot. It's the mid, middle. And we said there's only seven, so there's a whole lot of things in the early bit. And then the last bit is a lot of, usually more action, more excitement. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fun and games in the second half. But from this point, the tension only increases because something plot critical has happened. Mm-hmm. In In A New Hope, we come out of hyperspace, and Alderaan has been destroyed. The whole planet gone. is gone. From now on, not, we, the, 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 that's hugely plot critical. That's where we were trying to go. We were trying to give the Death Star plans to Leia's dad. Guess what? He's dead, along with the entire planet. Whoops. We also get stuck in the Death Star's tractor beam. That's not good. It's that's- going from bad to worse. That's no moon that's a space station it's a trap no way that's later. so yeah the something plot critical happens here in in the midpoint and then from there the tension increases the bad guys mm-hmm. begin to close in in star wars this is when we get on the death star we you know obi-wan goes to turn off the tractor beam han and luke go to rescue leia they get stuck in a garbage compactor they escape and then they get back to the millennium falcon and watch
1: so they escape but before that we've got our next point which is the false defeat this is this is everything is lost this is your absolute low point this is often called the dark night of the soul this is where things are bad and they cannot get worse your characters have hit absolute rock bottom they've gone from the frying pan into the fire. And then somebody dropped the fire into a volcano. It's bad.
0: In our case, Obi-Wan gets killed by Darth Vader and And we watch and Luke watches. Luke sees the whole thing happen. And that is bad. That is, uh, that is an all his last moment. That was the guy who Mm -hmm. knew what he was doing. The rest of us are just misfits. Exactly. And we didn't, but I don't know. We didn't know what's going on,
1: but they managed to escape the death star Leia comforts Luke as he realizes he is lost and scared.
0: Now, That's this is... Sad. Here's an interesting thing about our beat sheet here. It's that just because all of these things are listed out does not mean they all take the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. In In A New Hope, the All is Lost, to Dark Knight of the Soul section of the movie is maybe two minutes.
1: It's very quick.
0: Very, very short. We're on the Millennium Falcon. Leia comforts Luke. He's sad about Obi-Wan being dead. And then we land and and we move away from the all is lost moment and cinematically i think that's smart i mean this is a family style movie you spend mm-hmm. a whole lot of time in the all is lost all is lost section of your story and it it's very easy to get very dark
1: yeah you risk readers putting down a book because especially if you've promised a different kind of theme and tones mm-hmm. and stuff and and we'll we'll get more into promises and progress and payoff mm-hmm. but yeah. So, yeah, you've got as well your your B story solving the A story, which if we remember, like, meeting... The B what?
0: story of Star Wars is, of A New Hope, is that Leia is is captured, and that's a mm-hmm. big problem. You know, she's Princess Leia. The A, our B story solves the A story. The problem that we were having was that we needed to get this the Death Star plans to Alderaan to the rebels, but Alderaan mm-hmm. got destroyed. When we save Leia, she can tell us where to take the message, where to take the Death Star plans. And that's what we do. So Leia's yep. understanding of where the rebels are solves our problem of where we take these Death Star plans to defeat the Empire. And exactly. so she gives that to us. She solves the B story, solves the A story. And we take the Millennium Falcon to the rebel base on some planet far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we get to the, the distant planet. And then the last section of our beat sheet is called The End, which is not actually The End, It's but it's the end of the movie, end of the story, where mm-hmm. the Rebels take the Death Star plans, and they form together, they get in their X-weeks, X-Wings, they go to the Death Star, and they have this big, fun fight with full of twists, To and then they destroy the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Luke hears Obi-Wan's voice through the Force. Han Solo comes in and saves the day. Darth Vader comes out in a ship by himself. There's a lot of cool twists in this mm-hmm. The End Moment, and they've all they were all alluded to earlier in the story, and then finally we destroy the Death Star, which leads to the very last bit of our beat sheet, which is called the closing image. We that image of the Death Star exploding is like, it's not the end. It's not the very last bit of the movie, but that's kind of the last image that's really memorable.
1: Mm-hmm. That and Chewie not getting a medal, even though he absolutely deserved it. Yeah,
0: he totally. Yeah. So then there's the medal sequence, and. Mm everyone gets medals except for Chewbacca for some reason, for some reason we Racists. don't give. Yeah. maybe they're racist. That's it.
1: But yeah, uh, one thing too, like obviously that's not the, the very end of this story because guess what? It's a trilogy. And so, but this is, you know, the beat sheet, the skeletal structure of the plot of star Wars, a new hope. And you can apply this same structure to the story that is told over the whole trilogy. Obviously you can, you know, do it book by book. You can do it for the whole trilogy. Like I said, you can, you can take this kind of thing and, and do a, a mini version of this for your scenes too. Like, it's a very versatile tool. You don't, and one thing too is like, you don't have to do this when you, especially if you start looking at things like the hero's journey, you can tell if an author pulled up, you know, into Google, the hero's journey and they went and they it's not a checklist and you can tell if somebody treated it like one but just because you have the virgin birth you know you you don't need to do that george lucas we didn't need a virgin birth in the (laughs) prequel trilogies anakin didn't need to you know so like you can use tools too much as well
0: george lucas really modeled anakin skywalker after jesus christ huh yeah yeah, and then proceeded to turn him into like one of the craziest villains in all of storytelling one of the most iconic bad guys his birth was modeled after jesus christ swallow that for a bit
1: Mm. tasty but yeah don't just because somebody put it on a list somewhere doesn't mean you have to do it again that's a pretty big theme of you know how to write a book how to plot Just because somebody, just because we said that you need to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. Please try different things to see what works, see what doesn't. If it's on a list, there's a fairly good reason, probably, depending on where the list came from, but you don't have to do it because it's on a list. The hero's journey is not a checklist to go through as you're writing your story. You have the freedom to add or subtract to that, you can shuffle things around like. Just because it's always
0: been done that way doesn't mean it has to always be done that way. Yeah, I I agree. So I the to quickly go back over our beat sheet just in case you in case you need to hear it again. It goes the setup, the inciting event, the first act break, the mushy middle, the midpoint, the false defeat, and the end. Mm-hmm. Every movie, most stories follow this either on purpose or on accident. You as and if you are part of our listeners who are not intending to sit down and write a book you'll probably start noticing oh this must be that dark night of despair they were talking about because we Mm -hmm. just lost someone important to us or we just lost a battle or we just we took a big something plot important happened and we didn't get the thing we needed to done took a fat loss we lost something there's the dark night of this oh this must be that dark night of the soul or this oh this must be that b story solving the a story this must be that part where that thing that i wasn't sure how it was going to tie in now it's tying in and it's solving a problem for us mm-hmm. you'll start noticing these things and it's fun you can be like oh ha, ha, ha. i see what they did there they brought that mm-hmm. thing in that's the, called the b story solving the a story
1: yeah use this on your next uh, trivial pursuit next next family game night
0: I think the last time I played Trivial Pursuit, Devin, was I was maybe seven or six. I've never played
1: Trivial Pursuit, so.
0: I lost to my dad, as is his right.
1: Hmm. It's almost like you were a child.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't know things about movies. How could I? I was too small. It's not fair. You
1: knew nothing about, you knew, you were not yet the expert on all things laundry and storytelling. Why didn't,
0: why hasn't he challenged me recently? Is he afraid to lose?
1: Is that a call out to your father,
0: dear dad? Play Trivial Pursuit with me.
1: Gauntlet (laughs) Throne. We'll have to. uh, I'll I'll need an update. Good. The next time we sit down to see if your father took you up on that.
0: I'm. I'm just going to tell you right now. My dad does not listen to this podcast. My dad does not. My everyone who hears (laughs) this is going to be. They're going to be like, "Oh, that's so sad." No, it's okay. My dad understands. I'm an idiot, (laughs) (laughs) and he's like, "I don't need to listen to him talk for an hour." I, I I can call him and he'll do that. So true. there you go. This is true. He does not. My mom, however, my sister, dear Maybe beloved,
1: password to your. They father. might
0: they might pass it on saying, Eli said. He wants to play Trivial Pursuit, which isn't even actually true. I don't super want to play Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week in this week's episode of Folded Sheets and Story Beats. Our, we're, we're introducing a featured character this one's one of my favorites quirky robots the robots the robots robots yeah, talk about them robots let's talk about them r2d2s and them c3pos mm-hmm did you see that movie um it, it came out in 2002 it's called treasure planet dude
1: what an amazing movie
0: that movie was so good criminally i think criminally underrated. If you haven't seen Treasure Planet, you got to go see it. It's got one of the best quirky robots ever. His name's Ben, and it's plot relevant that his mind has literally been pulled like unplugged from his head and he's been looking for it. And so his whole like character is just him just like trying to make <laughs> thoughts compute and there's literally missing circuits in his head. And he's like, "I can't, I'm an idiot." Like, "Sorry, I live in Sorry. a hole."
1: Literally by the way, an idiot.
0: By the way, I have a back door into the place you've been searching for the entire movie. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I forgot. It's so he's so good. He's loud and he's Lost funny, and he's empathetic, and he says things that we like. Other good, other good examples. Those, you know, those walking refrigerators in Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: dude, talk about cool character design. They were like cool. About design. They, like, they roll, good.
0: and they move, and they but talk squares but they're snarky their refrigerator sold me
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like almost like living rubik's cubes
0: so good they actually have names i googled their names i googled their names it's tars plex case and kip kip tars take that that to trivial pursuit
1: there we go man matthew mcconaughey turning like yeah i I will
0: absolutely turn down your personality right now (laughs) i'll turn it i don't need it right now i can turn it off that's so funny
1: how about, um, man, if we're going way back, how about the Iron Giant? Oh,
0: Superman. Oh, man. It's so good. Cry. The I think we like robots. We like the quirky robot character. Not all robots are like this, right? Like, um, yeah, there's bad guy robots. That's a different character. We're talking about the quirky the robots. Terminator. The Terminator. Is he a bad guy? I don't know anything about Terminator. Uh, he's the bad guy in the first one, at least. Yeah. I haven't actually watched those movies for shame. Yeah, me neither. That's probably bad of us. We should probably do. That. I'll be back. Um we like robots who are quirky and fun because there's something we know they're not human, but they do human-like things. And that's interesting. That's funny to us. They they even, even think about the mouse droid in Star Wars. When she, uh, the little mouse guys that the stormtroopers are following, the movie never explains what they are. Mm -hmm. cute little guys running around in the the, the hallways little tiny black boxes Um, there's that one part where Chewbacca just like growls at it he's like (laughs) and then the mouse droid like screams and runs away and that's hilarious that's genius and it's because there's something about this dumb little robot Mm -hmm. that we find uh, we can connect to like yeah if Chewbacca screamed at me I'd scream and run I'm just like this dumb little droid it's the same reason that
1: People name their freaking their Roombas. (laughs) We like robots. We like robots. (laughs) The Mars rover. Very good.
0: Oh, now I'm sad. We we love them, even though we know they are not they they're not flesh and bone like us. But we love them.
1: Curiosity singing happy birthday all by itself
0: on Mars as the power starts to go out. Oh, now I'm sad. Sandstorm. Oh. It's a real-life robot that we're just sad mm. about. Curiosity. Sad. <laughs> I miss you. But, yeah. they Robots don't understand us. We don't understand them. But on some deep character level, we do understand them, and we love them. And mm-hmm. that that dynamic between the quirky robot character and the not quirky robot character. What? The different, The dynamic <laughs> between the quirky robot character and the, whoever the main character is, that's f- always fun. Mm-hmm always interesting the luke yeah. r2d2 relationship the, the yoda
1: and the r2d2 relationship yeah exactly these <laughs> things we
0: love it we love to see it smacking it with a stick in the swamp so there you go featured character quirky robot mm-hmm. put it in your next book movie Do tv it. show script make
1: them sassy make them sarcastic make them quirky make them funny fun.
0: We realized that we were going super long and we still had way, way, way more to say about plots. Um, There's this concept of promise, progress and payoff regarding plots that we wanted to talk about. We decided we've already been going for an hour, so we're just going to do a second episode. So expect a part two on this. Yeah,
1: we'll have to do a part two next
0: time. Yeah, We will will do plot part two. Plot part two. Promise, progress, payoff. Today probably we leaned more into how to write your own plot. Mm-hmm. Thanks How to for write tuning in. Your own book. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. We love you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Folder Sheets and Story. Beats
0: plugs. If you want to have your questions answered over a half-hour segment of the podcast, email us, sheetsandbeats at gmail.com. We love it. Thanks for those emails. Follow me on Twitter, WoodhouseFSASB. I sometimes report about the podcast. I sometimes report about my writing. Sometimes I just say things.
1: You do tend to do that, don't you? I wouldn't know, though, because I don't have Twitter.
0: Instagram... Uh, is my place to talk about column mercury but that's uh at woodhouse.elijah and uh which by the way still done still available on kindle vella it's a good story sci-fi enjoy it go read it It's very good get me paid thank you i think that's it see you next time